Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. All right, we've been talking about the Geno deal all morning, so let's get some of these questions answered from an expert who knows this team well. He covers them for the Seattle Times. It's Bob Kendota, Seahawks reporter, joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Bob, big news yesterday that we were all waiting for all offseason, though I think it was fair to wonder whether or not a deal would get done. Is this number a little more team-friendly than you expected? No, it's, no, it's not more than I expected. It's about what I expected. I, I think this is sort of what I, I think most people maybe maybe sort of pegged it as. Um, you know, three years, three years on the face, but probably really more. You know, two years and we'll see kind of thing, which yeah. is you know what they've done with a lot of their contracts. And then the number for sure. I mean, when I saw the number, I you know I, we got to wait and see how this how this all unfolds and if there if there's a lot of incentives in there, which is what they did in Geno's contract last year. This is obviously a much different beast because it's a, a lot a lot more. But um, you know the incentive thing worked out for Geno last year, and it sounds like it was the incentives that probably helped get this one over the top, where it's uh, you know the base value of 25, but with 30 million in incentives that can make it a 35 million dollar average if he hits all of those. Um, you know we don't know what all the incentives are, and so if they're you know how how hard they are to be, how hard they are to be reached or whatever. There's probably a mix of you know some you know things he reasonably can get pretty easily and a few others that are probably like you know if you really play at a great level you're going to get these um, you know which is so that's sort of a maybe a win-win for everybody. The Seahawks haven't done a lot of incentive-based contracts. You know I you know they didn't really ever do that with Russell. Russells were just kind of sort of uh, you know base and bonus and and that was that. But uh, you know this is this obviously is a different situation with with uh, kind of the uniqueness of Geno Smith's career and his breakout last year and I think his contract reflects that. Bob, any um any idea what type of interest Geno was getting out there? Any any whispers about teams being extremely interested in Geno or, or was it always uh, yeah, just yeah. the Seahawks, sorry? No, I think he was. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was pretty Seahawk centric here, right? and I think that was maybe what was going to happen if they didn't get to this point. Which is why I do think there was some urgency to get this done by this point. You know, I think the Seahawks might have used. You know, they they, they might have used the tag as just kind of a way to delay things if it if it hadn't gotten done. I don't think they wanted to do that, but I think they I think they might have thought about it. But I think I think both sides I think probably wanted to get this done by free agency because I think in Geno's case it was probably like. If this isn't happening, then yeah, I want the word out there, you know, by the mm-hmm. weekend before free agency happens that I am available and um, and away we go. And, you know, especially with yesterday, you know, the Derek Carr thing getting done as well, you're starting to see some dominoes happen. You know, we'll find out today what happens, maybe a, a little bit more certainty with Lamar Jackson. Things were going to start to get to get sewn up. So I do think there was some urgency probably on both sides to get that done. And I think in Geno's case, I think he wanted to stay all along. So I don't really think he wanted to do that. And I don't know that much had gotten done in that way because I do think both sides were confident all along that they could probably work something out. Now, uh, they've got their starter on lock being Geno Smith for 2023, but he's also the only quarterback on the roster. Do you think they still try to keep Drew here? And then also, do you think this eliminates the possibility of drafting a quarterback? Uh, I, I think they try to keep Drew, but I don't think they pay a lot to do that. And I think Drew will want to go somewhere he might have a better chance to play. You know, I think that's what that's what the whole thing's going to be with with him. If you know if you're Drew Locke, it's sort of now, you know, a couple of years now you haven't played and you're right in the prime of your career and you know, you know you're coming back here. If you come back here, you're just going to be the backup. You know, there's no there's no training camp battle this year. So, um, you know, I think that's more of that. I, I think he just might want somewhere else to go. So, it will be interesting to see if the Seahawks 
you know, if there's some other just kind of veteran out there that they can get cheaply to maybe serve as a serve in that backup role. But no, I don't think it rules out a draft pick at all. I, I, I think um, I know some people are like, well, if you're actually just saying that, and maybe they're just trying to do that for the trade value. But I think I, I think they'll consider it. I, I think they'll consider a quarterback with, uh, with with that first pick because it is just such a valuable commodity that you could have. And uh, you know, obviously, with the first first round pick, uh, you control five years of that player's that player's deal. So, you know, after, after year one or two, you, uh, of, you know, if you draft a guy and, you know, obviously he's not, you're not planning on him playing next year, but then you never know what happens. And, and then it could still be a situation where, you know, if things for whatever reason didn't work out with Gino as well going forward, you know, you can probably get out of that deal after two years and then you'd have another quarterback. You, and if that guy turns out to be good, you theoretically have him for, for three years on, um, under team control. So um, I, I think they could, I think they could seriously consider that. And I would imagine, that they, you know, that they have at least broached that idea by Gino of, of like, uh, you know, look, we still might do this, and and uh, um, you know, then obviously if Gino has resigned with the team, you know, I think he's probably going to be okay with whatever they decide to do. Bob, we were all waiting to see what happens with Gino. We got that out the way. Lots more to do though, right? Um, what do you think the next move is? What's the next big one for these guys? Or what? What would you do if you were GM, Bob? They, well, just whatever they start thinking about, they're going to do with the defensive line. And so I don't know if they're going to bring back Puna Ford. You know, that was kind of the other big of their own free agents that you thought, well, if they're going to try to get that done. Um, but, you know, maybe that's one because I think they will assess a lot of options with their line. Maybe they're much more willing to let Puna hit the market and see what happens. And, uh, you know, I think some of these other guys, they got done. Phil Haynes, Jason Myers, obviously Gino, I think were guys that they were like, you know, yeah, these are guys we're comfortable with. We know we want them as part of our team. So we're going to lock these guys up before free agency. I think a lot of the other guys they have, um, maybe it goes a different route. A guy, obviously something else they're going to have to do is Ryan Neal, obviously Mm -hmm. the deadline for his restricted, uh, restricted free agency thing is coming up before the free agent period so they'll have to do something there and so i don't know if maybe they decide to um you know not want to take on all of the all of the four million plus cap hit that the restricted free agent thing would be and try to work out a different kind of deal with him so um that might be the one other guy that i would think they would get done but um you know a lot of the rest of their free agents i think are guys that could probably be comfortable with kind of seeing what happens on the market and, and waiting and, and waiting and see uh Rashad penny is a real curiosity to me i um, you know, if they can get him for not a whole lot, I, I would think he'd go ahead and do that because obviously he played great when he played last year. So if you, if you could keep him healthy, but you know, you know, that you got in Ken Walker, if you could bring him back for not a whole lot, um, you know, that would make sense to me as well. But, uh, you know, I think some of it, you know, Pete alluded to it on your, on your station when he was on earlier today about all the guys who are suddenly becoming available. And that's the other, you know, the big wild card that happens now in this run up to free agency. Some guys get signed and that you think might become free agents and suddenly are not, but then other guys that, uh, um, you know, were under contract suddenly get released and suddenly become available. Like, you know, Leonard Floyd did yesterday or something like that. So, um, you know, there's suddenly become a lot of moving parts in this, in this week run up before free agency. Hey, Bob, you're able to, you know, be there every day covering this team closely. You're in the locker room, you're around the facility and you know, these players well, uh, what do you think is the team reaction to Gino coming back? I mean, you know what his interactions were like with, with players this year and, and kind of how the team felt about him. How do you think that they feel about him coming back? Oh, I think it's a thousand percent positive. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine anybody doesn't have anything. But just, yeah, I'm glad we did this and it's the right move. Um, you know, there was so much uncertainty. And, it, and one thing I, I was trying to think of a way to address um, 
you know, obviously it was a year ago tomorrow that they, that we all learned that they were going to yeah. trade Russell, which which then just sent off you know four or five months of just complete uncertainty about where's where's this team headed? Is it you know is this going to be a full rebuild? Who is going to be the quarterback? You know, go back and read all the eight million things that were about you know really respected NFL observers who are like this is a disaster for the Seahawks. That it's Geno Smith or Drew Locke as their quarterback. Is this really all they're doing? And team and everybody picking them to go you know uh, to not have a very good record and all that. And now that you know they're coming off a play off season and, and if there is a time to sort of you know Pete alluded to that again about the message it kind of shows um, he, he felt like it does but um, you know to the guys like Quandre Diggs and, and some of the other um, you know veterans in there who a year ago at this time might have been wondering what they were signing on for um, you know now you're getting a message from the team that hey we, we like what we did last year and we want to try to keep as much of this together as we can and obviously you can't keep it all together but um, but you know keeping the kept keeping the major significant parts together um, you know, in an odd way, I almost thought Jason Myers was a signal of that because you, you pay quite a bit for a kicker and you're not doing that if you're, um, you know, if you're thinking, well, we're just going to go back to square square one of rebuild. Um, you know, you pay a lot for for a proven kicker if, if you're kind of in win-now mode. And, and I think the Seahawks feel like they could – they can be right there. Um, you know, obviously they made the playoffs last year, but you got, you know, the Rams and Cardinals, who knows what's going to happen with either of those teams. And, and, uh, and, and then the 49ers are still, you know, very talented team, but obviously their quarterback situation is a little bit in flux too. So, um, you know, I think that's, I think that's where the Seahawks are. And so I think that's the, the message that resigning Gino does. Cause obviously if you didn't resign him, you're starting over again for the, you know, for the second year at the most important position that there is. Bob, that linebacker, excuse me, linebacker spot is looking thin right now, man. Jordan Brooks, I don't expect him for at least halfway through the season if he's lucky, right? You got Cody Barton over there. Um, is there a name in free agency you think the Hawks might be looking at? And then when did they address that position in the draft? Yeah, and, and I meant to bring that up but yeah, um, when you asked earlier because that is something they're going to have to do. And so we'll see if they decide to uh, bring back Cody Barton. Um, I don't think I completely ruled that out, um, you know, if it can be done for, for not a whole lot. But maybe that's another one where, you know, each side just he kind of hits the market. You see what's there. Um, and then, yeah, you know, they painted, a, they painted a pretty positive picture of Jordan Brooks while pointing out that, you know, it's just ECLs take what they take. So, yeah, I mean, just the basic timeline of that means it, it'd probably be pushing it to be ready for the start of the season. There are some guys available in the draft. They could, they could go that route. I don't know if I'd see them spending a ton of money in on that position in free agency, um, um, you know, because, because you do still have Jordan Brooks on the roster. And, you know, I, I do think they still consider him as a, you know, a really key part of the defense defense going forward. I don't mm-hmm. think this is an injury you can't come back from, you know, obviously in the long term. So um, so I don't know that you go, you know, sp- spend just a ton of money on that. I think it's, uh, you know, maybe uh, um, you try to think of some, trying to think, think of some names. I don't have the names in front of me really, but I, you know, I did some of the, veterans that you know eric hendricks got released yesterday or, or is going to get released so um i don't know how much he would cost i don't know if he's a guy who could figure into something like that or not but um you know i obviously i you know bobby wagner is is, is out there too i i that would maybe still kind of surprise me a little bit i do know mm-hmm. that i think they'll consider it but you know that's going to come down to how much money um, does everybody want what kind of role the, what kind of role do you expect him to play and all that and all those kind of things so um, you know Bobby figures to have some options there but uh, they are going to do have to do something with that for sure do you think they'll consider Bobby or are you hearing they might consider Bobby um, I think they'll consider it. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, no, I, I, Pete Carroll didn't tell me, yeah, we're going to sign him. You don't him think Pete's calling Bob, listen. No, <laughs> no, I mean, 
Um, but yeah, the, the buzz around the combine was they'll, they'll for sure consider it, you know, and that, and that, um, and that, yeah, I did hear from some people in LA that Bobby would love to come back, but again, we'd all love to do a lot of things in life and, <laughs> and, it, and it's what kind of, how does that work out? And, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the things there that someone told me is, you, you know, that for the Seahawks, one of the things when they released Bobby and cut Russell, you obviously got, you obviously in one fell swoop, yeah. completely changed the leadership of the locker room and sort of the personality of the team. And I think they like obviously what happened last year. You know, I, I think Pete was pretty fired up by sort of having a, having a different group of guys, new leaders emerge like, you know, um, who kind of took it over. And if you bring back Bobby, you know, you're kind of, you know, what dynamic are you back to? And, you know, you sort of felt like you reset the leadership of the locker room last year and on the defensive side and all that. And, you know, and then, so that would be the thing for Bobby as well. Are you coming back in a lesser role? Um, the Seahawks, I think that's been why they've been reluctant at times to, to bring back some of the players who, who people thought maybe they should have, or sometimes have just waited until, you know, you wait three or four years to bring back a Bruce servant or something like that, by which time, you know, everybody's role are sort of you know roles and statuses are sort of different so um so i i, I think it's something that that is yeah i think they'd consider it i just don't know how you know i, I don't know that i'd predict that it's going to happen i look at the offense um and it feels complete but we know we got to address that that offensive line um how early do you think they do this in this draft minus the quarterback i, I feel like eventually they might grab a guy there um but what are your thoughts with this offensive line and, and, and how they should attack that well, I mean, basically got four or five starters, I, I feel like said. I mean, it's just the center spot is, is what you got to do. And, um, you know, centers don't tend to go real high in the draft. You know, there's a couple guys, everybody, I know the, the John Michael Smith, the guy from Minnesota, said said he'd had a formal interview with the Seahawks there. And I know he's a guy a lot of, a lot of people kind of pegged for the Seahawks there. And, and maybe that maybe the second pick or the second round that they have or that third round pick if he falls that far. Um, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs got Creed Humphrey a couple years ago. He's kind of turned into maybe the best young center in the NFL at number 63 which I know some Seahawks fans are still mad about that because they felt like they, they wish the Seahawks had gotten him there with the 56 picks that they took the Eskers with that year. But that's about where you can sometimes, you know, get the best, you know, the best center in the draft or, or you know, one of the top couple centers. So I don't know that's something they got to do real super early, but it wouldn't surprise me if they signed, um, you know, some, I mean, they got to find, they probably got to find somebody because Kyle Fuller is a free agent as well. They've got Joey Hunt on the roster. Um, but, you know, maybe in free agency, that's a spot where you find somebody who's got some center guard versatility and then you can address it in the draft as well. Um, but, yeah, certainly something got to get done. But I, I think they feel like the other four are, are sort of set, not that you won't add some competition at guard. And, you know, you, you, they still have Jake Kerr in there as a guard as well. I, you know, I think they um, obviously that, I think they felt like he played really well as a rookie and then just didn't have very many opportunities last year. But, um, you know, I, I think in their mind, he's a guy that you could pencil in as kind of being that, being that swing guard tackle kind of backup as well, and then along with having Phil Haynes and Damian Lewis there, and um, you know, and obviously by saying that, I, I think everybody's assuming that there'll probably be a move here coming with Gabe Jackson at some point soon to free up that. Um, you know, the, the, the signing of Haynes obviously sent a strong signal that they're probably going in a different direction um, with that guard spot. Yeah. He is Bob Condota of the Seattle Times. Make sure you're reading his work at seattletimes.com. Thanks so much, Bob. Thanks, Bob.
Okay. All right. Thanks for you guys. Uh, we learned a ton from Bob, obviously, about the Seahawks, the next steps, where this team needs to go, and about the reaction uh, from this team to the signing of Geno. However, what's sticking with me is, of course, his comments that he's heard from several people that Wagner wants Bobby. to come back to Seattle. The Bob-Bobby connection is just one I trust. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I Let's just, go, Bobby. I just feel like Bobs know about other Bobs. And so I'm looking at Bob Condota <laughs> thinking, I, I totally believe this about Bobby Wagner, that Bobby Wagner wants to come back to Seattle. Is the money right? Who knows? Let's get to four down territory. This is four down territory going inside, inside the, the game. game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, what's the worst part about the exaggerations of Geno's initial contract details? It, it gets out there and, and people get going and then you got to come back on a Tuesday and reevaluate this whole situation. <laughs> come in. I'm sorry that I yelled sorry. at you. I know it was 35, <laughs> but it's more like 28. Um, and then... From my research and what I heard as well is that some of these agents will put that number out and exaggerate it just to pull in more clients, yeah. right? So it's just the game that's being played. I guarantee you we'll know more about this deal on Friday than we do today. So each day is coming in and reevaluating, getting the details, all about incentives with this contract, but it's just the initial shock of what's going on. It happened with Gino and with Derek Carr. Drives me crazy. Second down. What are some prospects the Hawks met with that you wouldn't mind seeing in a Seahawks uniform? Man, they met with some guys. Obviously, Deion Henley, my guy from Washington State. Keely Ringo, right? A guy who just runs a 4-3. You probably don't need corner help right now, but if he were to fall to a spot, I like that dude as well. Zach Charbonnet met with the um, the Seahawks as well. He's a day-two type of pick. I doubt they go running back early, but you heard Bob talk about Rashad Penny. Maybe they bring him back. You know you have Ken Walker. I could imagine a backfield with Zach Charbonnet, the runner out of UCLA. Uh, but I also look at Michael Wilson, receiver out of Stanford. Everyone's asking, who's going to be that number three receiver? Is Derek Young going to step up? Is D. Escher going to do anything? I look at a guy like Michael Wilson. He killed the uh, the senior day, our senior, uh, senior game. Mm-hmm. And uh, routes were crazy. Over there at Stafford, he kind of got lost because Tanner McKee and those guys didn't really highlight him, but I like this dude. I'm just looking at all these names, and of course, Anthony Richardson, right? He met with the Seahawks as well. So we look at all these names and we say, which one are they really going to take a crack at? I also have Mike Morris over there with Michigan. He's an edge guy. I look at the defensive guys first and I say, okay, they're probably going to get first dibs. You got Julius Brents with Kansas State as well. Um, but those are the names. I like everything that they're doing when they met with these guys. Who knows yeah. if they draft anybody? Michael, John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota. I look at the guys that they've spoken to and they're addressing everything in these meetings. We'll see what they do when the lights come on and it's time to call that name. But uh, so far, man, I, I like what they're doing. So far, so good. Third down. Now, this story is an interesting one. Philip Rivers says he may want another shot at being a starter in the NFL. I mean, who doesn't? Do you see any <laughs> situations where he could be the guy once again? It's crazy. Philip Rivers. What do, you, what do you what do you think his record was his last year with the Colts? Uh, actually, it was pretty good. They, yeah. uh, uh, I don't remember the exact record, but I remember they it was made a the pretty playoffs. good season. They were 11-5. and five. He threw for 4,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 68% completion rate. I look, nice. at those, look at those numbers and I say, all right. But right now is not the right time to sign to Phillip Rivers. He's still got the draft going on. got free agency going on. He reached out to the 49ers. He reached out to the Dolphins. Look, that's, when you got that many kids. Street. Yeah, you got to support him. got mouths to feed. <laughs> he reached out to those two and I go, Phillip Rivers is going to be a guy that you pick up late in the summer, midsummer. Somebody goes down. Brock Purdy's injury doesn't work out for him. Tua's having concussion issues, too. He's not right. 
Bullet Rivers is almost like a last resort type of thing. At first, when I saw this story, I thought, man, you're crazy. But then I saw his numbers this last year. I go, maybe he's still got a little bit of football left in him. Not a guy you're going to sign for very long. If he still has the itch and there's a need, you got a young guy or a quarterback that's not working out for you. He's banged up. He got hurt. You bring Phillip Rivers in, but the fact that he's still reaching out at dang near 40, yeah. he's trying to get away from them kids. Now, if you, <laughs> if you were to choose for entertainment purposes alone, uh, a place where he could land, where would you choose? Like, for entertainment purposes alone, I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers in New York. New York? Yeah. Either for market, For entertainment pur- purposes alone, Yeah. I'd send him... I have my answer. ...to the Raiders. Oh, that's a good one. I was going to say the 49ers. 49ers. I don't want to see that because I feel like he could run that offense well and yeah, we got to deal with those dudes twice yeah, a year. Right. Look at the Raiders. Maybe because the Raiders, sounds like they're losing the sweepstakes, right? Carr is gone. Aaron Rodgers is, is more connected to the Jets than with the Raiders right now. They need a veteran over there, so we shall see. But, Philip, if you want to play and someone will pay you to play, hey, go ahead and do it, You man. play. Fourth down. What's a name floating around in free agency that you think the Hawks should do some homework on? They've probably already done it. I don't know why I even said it that way, right? Yeah. Hey, John, if you're listening, <laughs> hey. uh, Hargrave. <laughs> no, you guys uh, might need some names to throw out there. <laughs> but no, I'm looking at uh, Zach Allen. He's a DN for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, he's the guy that I was describing to you earlier. Getting that second contract, maybe on your next couple years, you're going to take a big leap. In 2022, he had five and a half sacks. In 20 games, he's had nine and a half sacks, 12 passes defended, and he can play in multiple fronts. You hear Pete Carroll talk with the morning show and say, look, man, we might do some things, switching things up with that front. Uh, he's had 34 QB hits and 15 tackle for losses in his career. Now, his value is around eight and a half to nine million dollars. So he's not top tier when it comes to money, but it's not bottom of the burrow. He's 25 years old. He's that guy looking for that next move to where if he gets into the right system, he might be serviceable. So yeah, this is Zach Allen. Little name out there. Check him out. Um, there's a tweet from Diana Rossini. Uh, the New York Jets have flown on Woody Johnson's private plane to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers in person per sources. They land soon. I, he, I He's not on his darkness retreat anymore, but I love the idea of the Jets, like the fr- front office folks, the most prestigious people in that building, kind of crawling into the little hobbit hole that, that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is in. Like, hey, hey, Aaron. He's like, welcome. Have some tea. They're like, okay. Have a seat. Take your shoes off. Have a <laughs> yeah, seat. Exactly. <laughs> There's like a wind chime going in the background. They're like, uh, we want to know if uh, just really uncomfortable. I would love that meeting. I would love to see that meeting. Uh, all right, you guys still to come. Everything Pete Carroll had to say about Gino's new deal. He was on with Brock and Sock this morning. That's coming up at 1045. A question a lot of you are wondering, can you win a Super Bowl with Gino Smith on this contract? That's coming up at noon. We're taking your calls at one. So hang tight. Get your hottest takes ready. We just want to know what you feel about this deal. But don't worry. We're going to talk about plenty in that segment, too, whether you'd still Still take a quarterback at five, whether you hate the deal, whether you love Gino, you know, a, a ton to cover with that pretty open question that's coming up at one first, though, in the timeline, the NBA mm. doing something I don't like. Uh, also, we got some Pac-12 news also that I don't like. That's next. This is the timeline with Bump and Stacy brought to you by 1-800-DUI-AWAY. You are listening. 
listening to Bump and Stacy, and this is the timeline. Reading you the top stories you're going to see on your own timeline. I have good news and bad news. We have some uh, fun reactions to uh, Geno Smith signing, and we also have some not fun stuff from the Pac-12. So let me actually start with the NBA. You guys remember when uh, Giannis had um, you know that amazing game the other day, and then he purposely gave himself a chance to get a rebound to uh, to add to his stats. Yep. Uh, the NBA has now rescinded his triple double because they deemed that he was stat padding. So what? I know! A rebound is a rebound. You threw it up. It, it was hit the, the last backboard. one. No, man. I'm sorry. That's petty. If I'm <laughs> if I am that close to a triple-double, I'm doing oh. it too. I'm just, uh, yeah, whatever. So just... Is it... Is it um is he moving with integrity with this triple double? No, of course not. Who cares? But did it still did he miss the shot? Did he grab the rebound? Even if he did it on purpose, it's still a triple double. NBA, man, let him shine. I just like also <laughs> the idea of like, oh, he's stat padding. I mean so they're saying like he didn't have intent to score. There was no real intent to score there. You just did it in like this cheap kind of way to be able to get it, which I understand. Completely understand. But up until that moment, <laughs> you know, it's like you were right there. You just needed this one thing. I don't Come know. And like, NBA. I just, I, now I want him to, to just get a triple double, but like, <laughs> to just do it anyways. Um, all right, let's go to the Pac-12 here for our next story. That that was just a quick update on the NBA. We were wondering like, is the NBA going to be upset? Is there mm. some people that are upset about it? turns out the NBA was, and they said, not today, Giannis, not today. Um, so, Pac-12 continuing to look for a new media rights deal. They have had a board of regents meeting. Um, it's scheduled and labeled legal advice on a specific matter. Athletics update on Pac-12. So um, Pete Thamel has the latest from ESPN, and it's just kind of the unfolding of the Pac-12 drama right now. So he said that no final deal is expected, but rather, quote, the latest details on the final stages of the Pac-12's media negotiations will be presented during this meeting. Uh, league members are just looking to understand, like, what's going on? Can we get some financial clarity? Can we figure out what's happening? And he said that Klyovkov might want to dip into uh, kind of a, a traditional risk-averse option. But also, uh, the league is not interested in having only streaming and no traditional television presence. So that is something from this article on Sunday. A streaming-only media deal with no presence on traditional television is not an option for the league. And if you look at it that way, you want to get as many eyes as possible on these young athletes. If you just do stream, you're knocking out a big demographic of people who just Mm -hmm. aren't there yet with technology, aren't comfortable with it. Uh, you're pushing them off to the side. So I think the best move is to make sure everyone is included. But then you look at it from the other side. Studies say in five years, everything's going to be streamed anyway. So maybe you get ahead of the curve. But you got to take care of the people today who are watching your games. And by doing that, by just moving to stream, like I mentioned, you're eliminating a lot. The other rumor is... That meeting might be talking about the Big 12 or somebody trying to make a move and get up out the pack. If that were to happen, Stacey Rost, I will be the saddest former Pac-10 athlete you've ever met because I've watched this conference from its greatness, from SC, 
Cal, UCLA, UW, Washington State. Everyone had their time in the pack in the top ten in the pack when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Everyone had their time, and to see the collapse of this, yep. like we we've seen it happen for ten years, but in the last six to eight months. It's, it's been still happening on fast too forward. Fast. So that's the other part of this article that I was going to get to. This report is bump. You're right. A big part of this is making sure that people have access to these games and can watch these games, and that's important to the health of the Pac-12. Also, really important is that these individual schools are making the decisions for themselves too. So just as important to fans, kind of figuring out like, hey, what's going to happen? You know, am I going to be able to watch these games? Are uh, athletic directors and chancellors of these schools being like, hey? Are we going to get any insight mm-hmm. from you, George, about what's going on? Because just so you know, we've had some contact with Big 12, just so you know. Uh, Big 12, uh, according to this report, has had contact with Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. Um, so there are uh, varying degrees of contact with these schools, like maybe the Big 12 is more interested in Colorado and Arizona or or whatever. But um either way, all four schools have had at least some contact with the PAC, uh, with the Big 12 so if you're, you know, athletic directors, presidents for these schools, you're thinking, not only do I want to figure out what's happening with the Pac-12, I need to figure out what's happening with this media rights deal or else we're leaving. Right. And so that's why it's important to get clarity, too. And you have the Big 12 reaching out who already has stuff lined up, who seems more organized, who has a, a path moving forward. I don't know how transparent uh, Cliff Coffs has been with these ADs, but it doesn't sound good when they're sitting down entertaining anything that's thrown at them, right? The Big 12 shows up. If you have a plan, they're willing to listen. It just lets you know the state of the pack right now. Mm-hmm. So they have to, they got to get something done quickly. And even though Colorado, sports-wise, at least in Football, I think basketball, they've been okay. In football, they have not been the greatest. That is a great college town. They sell out most of their games, even Huge when they're story one and seven. You got Dion coming in there. That's one that you, well, you don't lose anyone, but especially not Colorado at this point. So just not, again, not a bad look for our conference. Well, and it's just like, it is sad. I know that this isn't uh, George Klyovkov. You mentioned how depressing it was thinking about where the conference was when you entered it, when you were a fan of it growing up in California, um, to now. How much of that is from feeling above it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How much of it is from Larry Scott coming in here and thinking, we're better, we don't need help, we can do things our own way, people are going to come to us, and not recognizing fairly early on the advantage that the SEC and Big Ten had and trying to get to be competitive. It's arrogance. It's arrogance. It's been a slow day. And, ten, and that's the thing. Ten years later, it may lead. It may like, There is a real possibility this leads to the end of the Pac-12. Man. I'm calling it the Pac-12 knowing it's the Pac-10. But this could lead to the end so of this one conference. More year. One more year. Yeah. But it's, and it's also sad because there's so much freaking talent on the West Coast. And there's also still talent here. Great quarterbacks are here. There's great storylines here. We talked about primetime with Colorado. Like, I mean, whether I can't really include UC, uh, USC for longer than another year, but I was going to say Lincoln Riley and USC. Still part of it. Still part of it for now. Like, it's just so depressing because none of this had to happen. It's the best league or conference when it comes to quarterback play. It's the best. No one's touching it right now. And because of the decisions you've made a while ago, um, we're, we're seeing it. We're seeing all this talent. And there's nothing we can do to keep it. No. Like SC is gone. UCLA is going to be gone. Thankfully, Penix is going to be here another year. Bo Nix is going to be here mm-hmm. as well. Um, you still got Delore over there, Arizona, Cam Ward. Like there are some names in this conference, but it's almost like 
all this, this is for nothing. This yeah. whole year is going to be for nothing because、yep. no matter what happens this year, you can have another six teams in the top 25 this year and look really good going into the bowl games. It means nothing because two of, the, two of these universities are gone and they're still trying to post、yes. more of them. It's, I know. It's shady, man. And I don't want to hear anything about it. Again, I've, this isn't a common sentiment, but I've heard the sentiment of, oh, it's the names, images, and likeness thing, and that makes it hard for the PAC to compete. What are you talking about? That's not what this is. This is the arrogance of someone who took over as PAC 12 commissioner 10 years ago and ran this thing into the ground.、Yep. That has nothing to do with athletes being able to get deals done and, and deals for their names, images, and likeness done. And for that matter, there's plenty of money with those. California schools and Washington schools. Conference getting a deal done to put the, those、Absolutely. kids on TV. Absolutely unreal. Last story here. We've got two quick reactions to Geno Smith signing, also appearing on our timeline. How about this one from Field Yates? We mentioned it in the open. Worth getting back to. Geno Smith's career earnings through 10 seasons $17.5 million. His annual value for his new contract $35 million. Obviously, we know that. The average annual value is more like $25 with、mm-hmm. some bonuses. Either way, he. Multiplied his earnings and then some. Man, that is the、um, mental toughness, being ready for your time.、Um, what my, my coach used to say, just seize the moment. I'm sure everyone says it, right? My coach wasn't special when it comes to that. No, But just your coach. See, <laughs> seize the moment. That is what Gino did. He's getting paid for it. Good for him. All right, we heard from Pete Carroll this morning on with Brock and Salk. What does Pete think about Gino's new deal and what does Gino mean to this team? That's next. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. We heard from Pete Carroll this morning on with Brock and Salk talking about not just the latest with Geno Smith's deal, but also whether the team would still consider drafting a quarterback and, of course, their approach to free agency. So let's start with this deal coming together for Geno. Here's what Pete said. Yeah,、um, really well. <laughs> was done really well. Everybody、uh, stayed really you know, on point. Communication was great.、Um, the focus was there to, to get something done. And, and、uh, so we got it done in timely fashion. You know, we were ahead of free agency, which we needed to do. And, and、uh, really, everybody's thrilled about it.、Um, the owner, would, you know, Jody, was great about it all the way through. She gave、uh, John the, the freedom to do what he needed to do to make the deal. And then, then in. And visiting her with her yesterday, she was really pleased and excited. She, she, she took a lot out of Gino's accomplishments in last year and, and、uh, was really proud of him and, and excited to, you know, for the future and moving on. So everybody's connected on it. So it's a good deal I and mean, a good deal for our club. And I think it sends a really good message, too, to the, everybody on the outside that this is, this is a good place, you know, and, and、uh, the, the, things are going in the right direction and we're fired up about it. He said communication was on point. That means while we're sitting here, Speculating and saying, man, what's going on this, with this whole deal? They're sitting back and saying, no, I texted him yesterday. We're good. You know, or I spoke to his agent. We're fine. Communication was on point. Then he also mentioned that Jody Allen took pride in this one. This was like her baby, I feel like. Because you know what she told Pete and John last year? You're back in your, in your wheelhouse, right? You guys are starting、yeah. from the ground up. Let's do this again. And she gave them the confidence to do this stuff. And I want to say she added her little two cents. I remember watching her in the draft room, and she is locked in. I mean, they're having conversations. She's leaning forward. Her eyes are on Pete. So she was involved in this whole process. How involved? I'm not going to sit here and say that she had an influence on every single pick,、mm-hmm. but I know that John and Pete must have made her feel comfortable enough 
to step out of the backgrounds and say, okay, my brother has passed away. Um, this is a new regime, a new start. Let's try something new. So to, to have all those draft picks work out and then to find a Pro Bowl quarterback for the low, at least initially, now you're getting paid a little bit, um, she has to be proud. She should be proud. Now, part of making this decision was also realizing that they trusted Gino. Pete Carroll asked, well, when did Gino earn your trust last year? It was after, I think it was after game two. He just, uh, I think I might have said something to you guys, but that's when I, he's, he's going to be able to do it. You know, you could get that feeling, so let's go. Francisco. It was after, it was just, Two weeks into it, we just knew that he could he could carry out what we were trying to get done, and he was confident about it, and he was handling it. He was handling himself in front of the team and all of that. You could just see that you know we, Gina was going to have a, a chance to have a really good run at this thing. It takes a while. You, you got your pregame or your preseason, and uh, you know they lose to Pitt, and then they lose Chicago. Dallas no one really cares about that, but you're more focused on can he handle this offense. And he said after game two, they lost 27 to 7. It was a horrible game. Game two, lost 27 to 7. Um, he was 24 of 30, 197, no touchdowns, one interception. So you look at that stat line, you're going to be like, whoa, how did they find any, any kind of trust in Geno with those type of stats? It's probably how we handled the adversity, how we spoke to the team, the communication during the game, before the game, after the game, the way he handled the playbook. I don't remember every play specifically from yeah. this deal, but you look at the stats, it wasn't anything great. But that just goes to show you that in some situations, it's deeper than just the numbers that you see. It's how they communicate and how they handle themselves out there. That's a really good point, that it's not like, oh, we decided after Geno threw for 350 yards. It was, we decided when we left a game feeling like we should have let Gino throw more, mm-hmm. right? right. Uh, all right, so we've got some other stuff to get to with Gino, and then I'll try to squeeze in some defensive stuff in here as well. Uh, here's Pete Carroll. It's just a quick one. Uh, how much flexibility does Gino's deal offer them so that they can still add in free agency? We have some flexibility. We don't have a lot, but we have some flexibility. We have to be really smart, really judicious about every every step of the way here. Um, and so, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're excited about it because it's just about ready to kick this thing off. Because there's enough to make a move. We we can make a move. It's not like we can go out there and and just revamp this defense and throw three big names Look, out there. We're not poor, okay? You know, like yeah, we're we're all right. We can go to um, ascend tonight, wifey, if you want to uh, splurge a little. <laughs> I'll bit. I'll tell you that Gino's going there. <laughs> Gino's going there for sure. But he is just saying that he's happy with what happened with Gino, and there's enough left on the table for them to handle some things that they want to handle if it all goes correctly. All right, a question I know a lot of you still have. Okay, well, does Gino being here mean that there will be no drafted quarterback? Pete Carroll asked that very question. We, that uh, that opportunity is absolutely there. We can do whatever we need to do, you know, and, and uh, um, which is a whole nother, you know, discussion of what's really exciting. And, you know, the coaches are working at it and the scouts are working at it to try to position this thing. When there's only, you're at five, this is different than we're used to seeing. You know, this is really fun because you can pretty much predict what, what's going to happen with, you know, four different choices, you know. So which one is it? And, and uh, so um, it's, 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 we're alive and all, you know, uh, and all guns are blazing here. Bump, I feel like it's important to add during some of this that he does say five in there. And I think that when you hear us talk about, oh, should you still add a quarterback? Mm-hmm. All of us are thinking, yeah, at some point. Absolutely. I mean, Gino's the only guy on the roster. He's turning 33 years old. But during these cuts, this is Pete Carroll talking about five. This isn't, you yeah. know, later first round, second round. This is him talking about five. Yeah. And he, he says, 
you can kind of predict what's going to happen. I think that's where it stops. One through five, you can kind of see how the cookie's going to crumble and you can anticipate what's going down. After that, I think it becomes a crapshoot. I'll give it like to eight or nine or something like that. Yeah. And so what he's saying is that we're in a comfortable position. We pretty much know what's going to happen in front of us. And if a trade were to happen, if someone were to move back, we know why they're moving back. There isn't too much that's going to surprise us at this point. And we've never been here before. And this is a good place to be because now we have options. We can draft a quarterback. We can get Geno's successor. We can get a D lineman. We could address anything we want to at this position right mm-hmm. here. And and all possibilities are out there. He's feeling comfy. There's no, there's no, uh, he's not freaking out right now. It's not like your first pick. It's not like, we'll say a year they had three picks with a DS Cruiser year. Oh, it was 2020. It was because of the Jamal Adams trade. I yeah. want to say it was 2021. Imagine, it was Eskridge, Stone, Forsyth, and Trey Brown. Could you imagine not in that sitting, order. sitting at VMAC for like a day and a half just chilling? John Schneider said that he had to have someone print out names of players that were involved in trades they already had on the roster to put on the board yeah. so that they didn't feel like they weren't doing anything. Yeah. It's like, man, this ain't nothing like that. Yeah. We had the number nine last Number five this year. I like this place. Uh, all right. So, uh, God, there's so much here. We have about a minute 30. Uh, you want to talk rust? Do you want to talk defense? Uh, let's we'll get defense. to both today, but let's go, let's defense, go defense right now. Uh, okay, so uh, this is Pete uh, talking about uh, needing some help on defense and where the focus is right now. There's going to be some decisions made. We got to get some guys in to come to us to help us out. Got some guys banged up that are coming back. I see how that goes. Uh, but uh, my intention in focus is on that as, as anything as much as anything we're doing. Uh, all right, and I'll combine it with some other stuff a bit later. We'll get back to this conversation, but quick reaction to Pete Carroll saying, "My focus is on much as." on defense as it is anything else. He said we got guys banged up, Jamal. See what happens there. Jordan. He says we got to bring some guys. We got Jordan as well. We got to bring some guys in to see what's going to happen and compete right here. Um, he's saying exactly what we think. right? You got some guys who you're going to depend on. You got some mm-hmm. guys who probably aren't going to be here and you have to replace them. This is what this part of the season is all about. Uh, there's some really cool stuff in here about what he learned from the Pete Carroll trade. You can find this entire interview in the last half hour of Brock and Sox podcast today. I'm going to see if I can create some time today to get back to some of this because there's more that he has to say about defense that I want to talk about, including tough decisions they have to make. And then everything he learned about the Russell Wilson trade that I thought was a really interesting conversation. I'll see if I can squeeze that into like NFL headlines or something a bit later today. Uh, first, though, before we do any of that, we got to get to a question that a lot of you guys are wondering now. Okay, you got you know back right we knew that was a possibility but does that mean you can win a super bowl with gino that's next